0: Everyone, to another episode of Sigh of the Storm. My name is Evan Wessling, and uh, as always, I'm joined by my man, my co host, Mr. Brandon Ness. Uh, today, the second episode of kind of our preseason slate of podcasts before uh, the season officially kicks off. It is going to be our um, offensive preview um, for the 2023 Iowa State football team. But before we go ahead and dive into everything, as I mentioned, uh, the guy always with me, Mr. Brandon Ness, how are you doing tonight? Doing
1: pretty well, you know, um, had a busy last couple weeks, but it seems crazy did. that football's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did, but it seems crazy that football's <laughs> only three weeks away now, and I'm excited to be back in that style of, I don't know, football on Saturdays just kind of keeps everything organized and gives everything a little bit more structure than
0: the summer has Yeah, for sure, we're finally getting out of the dead months of the summer Oh, man Enough of the National Pillow Fight Championship or whatever on ESPN.
1: Oh, yeah, the Ocho's got locked down right now. (laughs)
0: Um, But, yeah, I think – I guess it was a good thing that we couldn't record this morning. We were going to record this morning. Had to push it back to later tonight. It is Thursday, August 10th. You guys are obviously listening to this on Monday the 14th. But the reason I say it's kind of a good thing is because we can address the next kind of – evolution in the whole gambling investigation here. Um, obviously, um, four big names um, have also kind of arrived, I would say. We said, speculated these four, but i uh, got some clarification. Um, Jarell Brock, Isaiah Lee, Deshaun Hanukkah, Jake Remsburg, uh, the latest to be wrapped up in all of this gambling situation. That means Iowa State now. Um, again, we're not sure kind of where everything will fall out kind of through the article from Travis Hines, uh, he didn't specify any other players that would be facing, like, um, the permanent loss of eligibility. He did, like, specifically mention Jyrell Brock could be facing that, which would be, like, the same charge as um, quarterback Hunter Deckers. Um, but as it stands right now, this is now these the, the uh, these four make it six. Obviously, football players that we know about, I think that's probably all of them, but I guess we're not sure um and then that's that is also five starters from last year's team on top of that all
1: yeah i don't know if i was thinking that this many players wouldn't be involved and that they wouldn't be betting on their own team but i mean it's definitely kind of a shock to the system a little bit when what three of the five are directly betting on their own team and some of them even playing games game. that, right so uh, it's, it's definitely not something you want to see going into the season especially this late before the season starting and I don't know it's it's really unfortunate but hopefully the coaching staff knew that a lot of these players and what they were facing a long time before the public did and hopefully they're ready to go
0: yeah and I think kind of again the way that Iowa State football's social media team um, you know put stuff out there like in early June along with we didn't get like any media day pictures from those six players um, I, I think I'm assuming, you know, the coaching staff probably had a good idea. And again, like listening to Campbell's like first press press conference on that media day, it sounds like, you know, I think they like to your point, like I we hope that they knew. And I think they probably knew of the guys who were probably like that were wrapped up in it. And I think they probably just assumed like maybe that three game suspension. Um, But kind of again, like the way that Campbell put it out, he was saying like, yeah, we didn't really know the extent of some of these things like some of the news you guys heard today that was news to us and so I'm guessing that's probably more of you know betting on Iowa State is probably the main thing where they didn't know
1: yeah and this whole thing is just super frustrating that's only happening to Iowa and Iowa State because you know if this was yeah. happening down in Georgia the whole college football world would be going nuts but because it's Iowa State and Iowa it's just kind of swept under the rug a little bit and yeah I think other programs are going to figure out how to track these things and deal with them themselves before criminal allegations get involved and when you have legal battles like Iowa State's facing right
0: now it kind of puts a cloud over the whole off season and that's definitely happened this year yeah and i think it's certainly going to be a wake up call for the entire country it just kind of sucks that it we're the the first shot to break in all of this
1: yeah for sure it's i don't know i'm so tired of the story just because it's the last thing you want to be thinking about three weeks away from Iowa state and two weeks away from week zero when a lot of teams are playing. Yeah. I mean, hopefully this is out of the way now and this is the rest of the players, but I I think there was still 35 left before today started across all sports. And it's, I find it hard to believe that 20 of them would be a track athlete or something like that. So
0: yeah, for sure. I don't
1: think this is completely the end, but I I'm hoping it's the end of the most, most serious allegations for sure.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, but with that, as kind of, we hope that we can get past this gambling thing, and you know, as you said, it we're, we're three weeks away from three weeks away from football. And instead of you know being excited about you know fall camp and stuff, we're kind of wrapped up in this, but. We'll go ahead and kick off the episode. Obviously, just had to mention those and, you know, three of those guys that we found out today. And obviously, you know, going back to Deckers, those four are a really big part of this episode um, as it is our offensive preview. So we will go ahead and kick things off here with our position group deep dives um, slash an offensive depth chart. So starting off with the big one, um, again, as we kind of last thing to touch on for that gambling thing, not sure. Um, if certain players will kind of receive that permanent um, loss of eligibility or if it's just three-game suspensions. But regardless, this offensive preview is going to be essentially if they weren't going to play the whole season or even with a three-game suspension. This is basically for week one. Um, So starting off in the quarterback spot, in that one spot, I do have Rocco Becht. I thought about considering doing maybe a Rocco Becht or J.J. Cole, and honestly – I would not be surprised at all to see that on the depth chart, just kind of the way that Iowa State release, releases their depth charts for the most part. There's a lot of oars. Um, but I think just because of, you know, Rock at Iowa State, like having that full calendar year, I do really – I think it matters a lot. You know, had J.J. got in the summer, petition in the slightest, at least for week one. So credit to J.J. for coming here for spring ball. You know, he's going to put himself in that battle. But I, I will say like the thing that I was impressed with just I know it's just social media clips and it doesn't tell a whole story. But Rocco did look like he had a really good deep ball. So that at least made me excited.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think I'm right there with you on the quarterback position. I think Campbell said in one of his previous press conference that if they were to play a game today, that both of them would probably get some playing time. Yeah. And that's something that you like to hear, but at the same time, you kind of wish you just had one guy that could take the lead. Yeah. I I mean, nonetheless, you see seasons like 2017 and even 2018 where uh, upperclassmen starts the season and then certain things happen. You either aren't playing the greatest or you have a Jacob Park situation where somebody else has to step up. And in that case, just want the one guy, you want the second guy that's able and capable to do these things. And, It just happens that that second guy in JJ Cole is one of the highest rated recruits in Iowa State's history.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, it does give it, I think it's a good spot when you have, you know, a a quarterback that that's talent, that is is as talented as, um, you know, JJ kind of waiting in the wind um, if you would need him. And again, um, I, I would say this like, I think when you look at the two quarterbacks, I think I guess when you're looking at their strengths and weaknesses, if we were going into week one, I mean, J.J., I mean, they're both raw prospects in a sense because, I mean, J.J. obviously hasn't taken a snap for Iowa State. Rocco basically got a half of playing time is the way that we'd put it because he got most of that second half. I think all of the second half versus TCU, um, whether it was a blowout or not, he did get a full half of football to play. Um, and I think he got in at the end of the Ohio game in SEMO, but regardless, like Rocco really only has a half of college football plays. So they're really both quarterbacks are in the same spot. But when I look at Rocco, I think the thing that, you know, from kind of what we've seen, he reminds me a little bit more of that field general guy who maybe never going to make that, you know, super huge play that maybe JJ would, right. Cause he's got that big arm, but you know, Rocco is going to give you way more mobility, um, And I think he's also just kind of that field general guy where if he's not going to – I think he's more of a low-risk guy. um, And he's not – I mean, I think the thing about him is he's probably not going to turn the ball over a whole lot. Um, So I think that's where you look at at Rocco. When you look at JJ, he kind of paints me as a high-risk, high-reward guy. He's going to give you some of those big shots. um, But maybe, you know, with those big shots, it could lead to some turnovers. I think we saw that with Deckers a little bit last year. Um, where he was kind of your big playability with his big arm, and it kind of went south for him. Um, but then JJ also not going to give you a ton of mobility in that pocket at six seven, like two fifty, whatever he is, uh, a massive guy. But he's probably not going to be moving a whole lot or really fast, I should say. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Again, I think week one, at least first quarter, first snap, I think is Rocco.
1: Yeah, and. Like you said, I'm hoping he's just that field general type of guy because yeah. Iowa State's offense, especially this year with all of the unknowns, and now some of the unknowns are actually becoming known, it's going to be a very simplified offense and just lean back on your defense. Don't make mistakes. Yes. So You don't need this rocket ship at quarterback that's going to go try to make everything happen on their own. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying one guy isn't, one guy isn't, because we haven't seen – Them play and throw it more than 20-25 times so it's hard to know but the good thing about JJ being there as a true freshman is he had the offseason to work with the offense and Mm -hmm. he has has a bigger frame so he's going to
0: be able to take some hits that a guy like Rocco Beck can't necessarily take. Yeah and like the last thing at least for me to kind of um, uh, wrap, wrap the bow on the quarterback spot for me I could care less who it is I think again like to put it in kind of a way, I would look at it. JJ is certainly the guy who's gonna have the higher ceiling, um, because of kind of you know his you know raw God-given talents. That's just kind of the thing with him. But necessarily, it doesn't matter if you're the guy who has those God-given talents. You still got to be a better quarterback at the end of the day. And at most time, you know, hard work will you know out you know outpay that or outdo that. And for me, I could care less who the starting quarterback is. As long as Iowa State is, you know, this quarterback is putting Iowa State in positions to win ball games, and we're putting up points and Iowa State's putting up points, it, it doesn't matter to me.
1: And the biggest thing this year is you're really building towards next year. So you need a guy that's ready to accept that leadership role and lead the team the right way, especially coming out of this off season where there's a lot of uncontrollables. You need a steadying force there. Yeah, for
0: sure. Um, but heading on to the running back room, which in my opinion, I think is maybe the most interesting group in the entire offense. Um, so started off uh, listing really the five running backs again, uh, considering the allegations Jarell is facing right now, um, kind of, again, leaving him out of the mix right now. Um, but to list off the five who honestly okay. I think all five of them could have a chance to see snaps, it's Cartavius Norton, Eli Sanders, Um, Arlen Harris, Abu Sama, and Carson Hansen. Um, Norton, obviously, will be a sophomore. Eli will be – I want to say he's a redshirt sophomore. Yeah, he got the redshirt. Arlen Harris is a sophomore. He transferred from Stanford. And then both Abu Sama and Carson Hansen are true freshmen. But both of them won Gatorade Player of the Year's in uh, – Abu Sama won it in Iowa, and Carson Hansen won it in Minnesota last year. So I think it's a really fun group. It just – who is the guy that steps out? And you just need one of them. Obviously, it'd be great to kind of have that second complimentary guy. But I think I also kind of I, – I drift – this this team really drifts me back to 2019 where it was the year after David, and there was no guy that was really sticking off the page. I mean, I think it was like Sheldon Crony and maybe one other vet, and then it was Brees and Gyrell. Like, it was just okay, – Johnny Lane. 24... Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think even and Wongu. So, I mean, you're talking about those five is like, all right, just one jump out off the page, right? And, I mean, Brees didn't even pop up. He didn't really get much of a fair shot until, you know, halfway through the season. Then he really took advantage. But for me, it's like any of these five, just whoever makes most of the opportunity, run with it. And hopefully you're the guy for the next three, four years.
1: The running back position is super interesting because – I do think Jirel is probably the biggest loss out of those five, assuming they don't play for the first couple of games. Agreed. And because I I know you're of the opinion that if he was completely healthy this year, they make a bowl game. And I can completely see that argument. Yeah. You just need a couple guys at that spot because Jirel was your guy for those third down and longs where you need somebody that can block. Yep. I don't know if I see a guy like that yet. But yet again, a lot of them haven't played at Iowa state yet. So it's hard to know, but I think it is going to be a running back by committee like you saw in 2019 for a little while. And then hopefully a guy like Abu Sama or C-
0: Cartavius Norton kind of takes the main reps for first and second down. Yeah, I agree. And so for right now to start it off though, I do have Cartavius Norton at running back one with Eli Sanders at two again. I think, you know, and we didn't even get a chance to mention this when we were doing our, you know, just predictions because I think it came out, like, later that day. I think that was the first press conference of the year for Matt, or I guess, since fall camp. And, you know, it, it was one of your <laughs> your classics, an injury you didn't really know the extent about. Cortavius Norton had a complete hamstring tear um, that he suffered in game one against SEMO. And so, you know, that was a guy that I was super high on throughout the year. I remember I picked him for, like, my player of the game twice. I was waiting for that breakout. And it just didn't happen. That's probably because he, he tore his hamstring. Um, so I think now that hopefully fully healthy, let's see what he can do. I think he's your bruiser back for sure. Um, and, again, going back to kind of cycling football's, you know, social medias, I think this, this is super helpful for us in terms of predicting this stuff because it kind of displays where we're seeing guys. And based on the other players on the field, he is certainly looks like RB1 right now. Um, and then I saw like Arlen Harris with the third string. So that, you know, that puts me at Eli Sanders at two, um, especially because he was getting a lot of snaps at the end of your last year and in that spring game. So, um, yeah, I do have those as my two, but I'll definitely be sure to talk about one of those running backs um, later on in the episode.
1: Pretty well here. And you see with Matt Campbell's soft, and that he's going to play guys that have seniority. So, you- in I guess Arton Harris kind of is a weird <laughs> spot where we haven't had a transfer running back in a long time. So it's going to be, be interesting. interesting if I'm predicting right now, it is going to be Norton at the one. And then it's just see how it plays out because obviously Brees Hall was not even in the conversation to start the year. So you really never know.
0: Yeah, I agree. Sorry for uh, dying there real quick with that cough, but um, no, I, th- I think for me, And I'm sure definitely by the end of the episode, I'll be sure to like paint this picture again. I brought up 2019 in that running back room and 2019 is going to be a year. You're going to hear a lot from me because I think like when I look at Iowa State, if they want to have a a successful year, I look at 2019's offensive blueprint. So we'll be sure to explain that more later. Um, But we will now jump to the wide receivers, which again, probably another really interesting group. Um, You lose the top dog, Um, you know, a guy that, you know, essentially finishes as the number three receiver in college football last year, getting to be a finalist for the Blitnikoff. And, I mean, I think that's super impressive for him to be – for Hutch to be a finalist in that Blitnikoff last year because a lot of those awards are – they go to the, the teams who have good records. So, for him to make, make it as a finalist on a 4-8 and eight team, uh, we didn't – I mean – we don't have to tell you how good Xavier Hutchinson was for Iowa State, especially in 2022, but it's going to be a big hole. Um, But they brought in a guy in similar size, uh, Jaden Higgins transfers uh, from Eastern Kentucky. I think he's going to be your wide receiver one. And then Jalen Knoll at the two with Demetri Stanley as your kind of third receiver. I would say kind of usually lists just two guys as your, At least on like in Jack Trice, when they go through starting lineups, they usually have more tight ends and just do two receivers. But I do think those three get the first team nod early on. As for like the second team, I have four guys listed here: Ben Nagoyi, and I apologize if I said that incorrectly. He's a freshman out of Nebraska. Daniel Jackson, Greg Gaines, and Jason Essex.
1: How old is Daniel Jackson?
0: Well, he was on the 2020 team. Uh, That's when I remember him, but he certainly could have been on there before. I actually have the roster pulled up. We'll see. He is a redshirt junior. Seems much older than. There is no way he's a junior. This is, I mean, this would be his fourth year. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. He feels like he's been here for a minute.
1: Oh, my! he's one of those guys. It's always these receivers that are in like the four or five spot. Yeah, just somehow seems like they're here forever, but if like, he can contribute, great. Yeah. But I think first team is pretty much locked down. I don't see much movement there. Jalen Noel is a really good piece to have at that slot. If he can hmm. just run his routes, get two, three catches a game, and then I'd like to see him use more in jet sweep type situations where you can show off his speed a little bit more. Yeah and then you're really banking on Higgins a lot of the season offensively is going to ride on him Yep. because he has a big, big shoes to fill. Every single third down is going to be coming to you. So if you're looking for a good way to get your name in the NFL draft, Iowa State's offense might be the place for you. <laughs> yeah, no
0: kidding. I mean, you talk about, you know, Jane Higgins will be that the X spot, uh, replacing X. Um, like we said, he's got that big frame. I can pull up his exact, what he's listed at for Iowa State. He's 6'4", So, I think that's, like, I think that's taller than Hutch, maybe around the same weight. So, you're looking at a guy that's very similar. They've talked very highly of him. Um, you know, he was even shown on a deep ball, on one of Rocco's deep balls, post on Twitter, or I guess X whatever, Elon. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I think Jaden is a big one. You have to, and kind of the reason I put him at that one over Jalen Null Regardless of who gets listed as receiver, technically, for the most part, you know, your outside receiver is a number one. Uh, not saying slot guys can't be number one. I mean, you know, Keenan Allen, I'm a Chargers fan, for those who don't know. Keenan Allen primary op- primarily operates in the slot. Um, but for the most part, you don't see a lot of slot guys as a number one. And that's no knock on Jalen, We said for a while we think he's a really strong two. Um, but that ability to win those jump balls – go downfield, you know, win those, the contested grabs in the middle of the field, like usually you need that frame. And so Jane Higgins has got to be a guy. Number nine is he's going to have to be big for Iowa State.
1: One thing I really like to see more of from Iowa State is these 15 yard passes over the middle of the field that we saw a lot with Alan Lazard and um, yeah, Hakeem, those, I don't feel like we saw a ton of last year and the running joke is shallow crossers on third and eight, which I get because of our offensive line and how bad it's been for so long. You don't have time to do these routes over the middle, but when you have a guy of Higgins size, I think you have to kind of utilize it a little bit. And we saw last year, even if you have a quarterback that has an arm, we're not really going to be able to utilize it to its full extent.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, you hit it like 15 yards. I mean, Like anywhere from 10 to 15, like a 10 to 15 inward breaking route, slants, digs. Like, heck, I was very, again, going back to the Chargers real quick. Again, for new people, you're going to hear a lot of Chargers references. uh, Just the second, the team I watched the second most. But I was so frustrated last year because, you know, the Chargers offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, ran a bunch of stick concepts where he had a guy in Justin Herbert who has a rocket, but he would never let him push the ball farther than the sticks. Well, I guess the good thing about that, was, you know, the Chargers were in a good spot most times, um, you know, to convert third downs because they're pretty close kind of with that stick concept. I would even I would take stick at Iowa State just to kind of have those routes go farther downfield, like break farther downfield. I think that's so big. But the thing about shallow crossers, and I know people are very annoyed with them, I understand, but what that does is it gives your wide receivers opportunity to get yak or yards after catch. And that's what Iowa State loves to do. They like to get their guys, um, you know, the, they, they, they like to get the receivers, the ball in space and run with it. And so, but when you can do those kind of 10, 15-yard digs over the middle, you can still uh, you can still allow your guys to have those yak opportunities. And so, but just having those chances farther downfield, I think is a big must for Iowa State.
1: And because so many Big 12 defenses play this three three five stack where it's all zone, you're going to have room to operate in the middle of the field and that's when you have to put pressure on the defense in other ways other than running the ball because iowa state's probably not going to be able to do that super well
0: yeah agreed and then again kind of looking at that you know second string spot um you know i think Dimitri is certainly a guy will be at the three to start the year and certainly again we will have a segment about rising stars and the captains to after the depth chart so i guess i'll save that name for later on but Um, Anything you got for the receivers, I guess, before we head on to tight ends?
1: I guess just looking at the passing game as a whole before we go on to the tight ends, they need somebody out of the backfield as a running back that can make plays on these little check downs. That's something that we were really missing last year. I don't think Jairo Brock or even Norton has that burst to really make plays on his own. I look at a guy like Abu Salman who had had five touchdowns in the state title game. Yeah, and he just looked like a man amongst boys out there. When you see somebody like that in high school, it doesn't always translate. But speed, you can't you can't teach that. No, and so So at least you need somebody.
0: But yeah, so going over to tight ends, um, and that one again, giving I kind of did it. You know, two tight ends, and you know your one spot. Um, I did Easton Dean, and again Tyler Moore. We were on the Tyler Moore train. We're both from Johnson. Tyler Moore from Johnson. We were. Hoping it would pay off last year, he didn't get a ton of reps. Um, kind of in the thick of the game, but um, now with you know the gambling um, investigation uh, and Deshaun Hanukkah being wrapped into that, I think again about seniority. I think you know Easton Dean and Tyler Moore are for two are the two like receiving guys. Um, I do have Steve O'Klotz listed at that one spot at the tight end slash fullback or the H-back, kind of that Jared Russ, Dylan Sainer spot. Um, but just looking at a pure tight end, I think Easton Dean and Tyler Moore are your first string guys.
1: That kind of seems like the direction they're going. There was a couple guys at the spring game, though, that kind of popped a little bit. So, yeah. And Campbell said that it's the deepest tight end room that he's had at Iowa State, which doesn't make any sense to me considering you had three NFL guys. <laughs> right. So that does make a ton of sense. But if he's saying that, I'm going to have to take his word for it. He's at practice every day and I'm not.
0: Yeah. Um. But hitting on a name that you said that popped in the spring game, it was Gabe Burkle. I have him as my first guy in that two list. Um. I think him or Tyler, that honestly could be Ethan Dean at like a pure one and Tyler or Gabe Burkle as like a second to that like one list. Um. So I think Gabe Burkle and Tyler Moore are probably pretty even. And then in that two spot, again, I don't really, again, I, you know, I saw him kind of with a third string, it looks like for the most part, but Benjamin Brommer, uh, he's an incoming freshman from Nebraska, a true receiving threat. Um, he'll be wearing number 18, which is kind of an odd tight end number. But anyway, he's 6'7", 240, and the kid can run. Um, you're talking about, you know, what has been super successful in that tight end room. It's that height. Well, Brommer is 6'7", and I'm pretty sure Dean is also, he's 6'6", and Tyler Moore, 6'5", Gabe Burkle, 6'5". So when you look at kind of the four tight ends we mentioned, it's the guys you can kind of, you know, you use that basketball team analogy, you can just dunk on guys. But I think the thing about Benjamin Brommer is he's going to give you a lot of, of that yak opportunity. He's just got a lot of speed for his size
1: for sure and these tight ends are going to be stepping into a role where they really need to do two things so you got Easton Dean and he's supposedly that guy that can block Yeah, I don't know if I saw enough of it last year to really trust that but then you lost Hanukkah at least for the first couple games and he was that receiving threat so you're really missing those two guys there and I'm fairly confident that somebody in this tight end room is going to step up and try to fill that Kohler spot at least a little bit Yeah. And then um, Steve-O at that fullback spot, all you need to do is block there. Yeah. I don't think Russ caught a single pass last year. Yeah. Maybe one or two. So,
0: Hey, remember they they tried to throw him the fade in the back, the end zone against Ohio, though?
1: (laughs) Yeah, which brings me to my next point. We don't have Tom Manning here anymore.
0: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But, I mean, yeah, overall, I I think, like you talked about, I think Dean and Tyler Moore – Maybe Burkle. I mean, we haven't really seen enough of it. Um, I don't think we, we – we didn't really pay too much attention to blocking in the spring game. But I think Tyler Moore and Easton Dean are probably your two guys you got to, you know, hope f- for blocking. I think both can still give you receiving upside. But if there's one guy for sure that can, I think, truly unlock that Kohler level of receiving game, it's definitely Bromer. But um, heading over to the offensive line, which is the final position group here, um, this one I think is very, very interesting. I guess I've said that for about outside of tight ends, I said that for like three straight positions. But regardless, um, the reason I say this is because you know you talk about you know Ryan Clanton as offensive line coach. Um, one of the things he talked about the two V's is kind of what I'm getting is violent and versatility. Um, the thing that we heard is. Whoever they view as the best five linemen, doesn't matter what position you are, you're going to be on the field. I, know, I think in his introductory press conference, um, he talks about they had like a 6'7 or a 6'9 guy at center at UNI. I mean, they don't keep your height. They can play a six, one guy at tackle. If you're a good – they just want to – like the way Clanton w- were operated at UNI, they find the best five and they put them on the field. And so I think that's where it makes it kind of tough because for the most part you usually have – your taller guys tackles and the smaller guys on the inside. Um, so I, I, at this point, maybe we just predict the best five. We I, I do have left tackle to right tackle. So I'll go over that real quick. At left tackle, I have Tyler Miller or James Neal. At left guard, um, this is both my left guard or right guard. It turns into who are your best five or in this sense, who's your best two? I think Jared Hufford at left guard is a. I mean, Jared Hufford is the ultimate yes. Um, again, I don't know where guys are going to be placed, but I have Jared Hufford or Daryl Simmons or Grant Triber in that one line at both the left guard and right guard. And I apologize, but Wufonto Akinchilo, he's kind of in that two line for both the guard spots. You did well there. Thank you. Thank you. Do you get to try it later? Uh, I got the basketball <laughs> hard names. You can do okay. the football ones. All right, deal. Um, at center though, I have Brady Peterson at one and then Jim Boniface at two and then moving and skipping right guard. Cause it was the same thing as left guard at right tackle. I have Grant Triber or James Neal coming into this. It was Jake Ramsburg, nor, or no, like, or anything. Um, again, um, I guess kind of the way I think he's probably maybe the most likely, um, for maybe just the suspension, but again, we're not sure. So probably not our spot to be guessing, but um triber started at right tackle while remsburg was coming back from it from an injury last year so i would probably assume we just go back to that or i would say goes back to that same spot um but yeah it's a lot of oars i think at the end of the day Iowa State just needs to find who their best five guys are and put them out there and just hope it's a better product than last year
1: and you're going to know right away whether it's a better product or not because you start with you and i in iowa two teams that really pride themselves on winning in the trenches. Yeah. Um, looking at the offensive line, you hear really good things coming out of camp about Boniface and Neal. Yeah. So I think those are two guys to really look out for. If you can even have one side of the offensive line locked down, that can open up a lot of things, especially since you have a left-handed quarterback and a right-handed quarterback. Yeah. So you can roll them out either way potentially. And if one takes over, then you just shift um, the shift line, whichever way you want to roll out. So it gives you a lot of ways to be a little more dynamic in that passing game and hopefully not stand back there like a statue like we saw a lot last year.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but that's pretty much all we got, at least for the depth charts. Um, so with that, we'll kind of shift gears into the next couple small segments, um, here on the video. And I guess we should probably quickly know, um, just the new staff hirings for the football team. I know a majority of them. I'm going to make, sh- give me a quick sec. I'm all up. Obviously the big one, um, Nate Shieldhouse. Your no, your new OC. Um, I guess while I'm trying to pull up the remainder of the staff, Brandon, uh, what are you looking for the most out of Schielhaus, um And I, with this offense this year?
1: Uh, Number one, please don't run jumbo every single play. That'd be great considering we don't have good offensive line or tight ends. Yeah. Um, But outside of that, I really just want to see creativity. And honestly, this year I'm seeing more towards a building year to next year. So it's really, I just want to see improvement. And improvement can come from a lot of different places. It's really going to start with a running game. If you can't run the ball up the middle, you're going to struggle to do pretty much everything else. And you lost a really big threat in Xavier Hutchinson down the field and he was your main third down guy. So I think it's really just kind of a clean slate with um, the new offensive coordinator there. And you just hope we don't fall into the same trends and hopefully Campbell isn't a kind of guy that's going to run his system until he's out of the job.
0: Yeah. And I think the thing that I'm just looking forward to the most, like you, I think you hit it right on the spot, just creativity and opening up the offense, um, you know, letting your quarterback, you know, and maybe this is just a Matt Campbell staple where under center isn't a thing. And if, if Iowa state's not a single back or under center team, that's, that's totally fine. Whatever works, works. But regardless, I think what you don't get out of gun is play action. And if Rocco is your guy, which again, probably at least to start off you and I, he is, he does give you that mobility Again, we're not sure what he looks like, you know, throwing on the run. But if you give him the opportunity to get outside the pocket, I think even like we talked about with Deckers last year, just with that struggling offensive line, if you can roll him out and give him some more time, you're going to be able to kind of help your offensive line as well and give them breaks every now and then because your quarterback's going to be out um, in space on his own. And so I, I'm really hoping for more play action, specifically under center. Now, again, I don't know if that's really a change that we'll see. But, um, again, it's something we've talked about a lot. You know, I don't really have a huge problem with shallow crossers. It's like your third and eight and you do the check down. Um, I, I, I think that's actually a fine way to play um, because you're giving your guys yak opportunities. But I would take that up another level. And when we talked about the receivers, give them more in-breaking routes towards the middle of the field, past the sticks or at the sticks or maybe more sideline shots, again, past the sticks or at the sticks. The big thing, make push the ball a little bit farther downfield, aim for the sticks. You know, if if you're in, you know, your second and three or even third and three, you can, fi- like, throw your shallow crossers. That's totally fine. You're in a short down and distance. And when you just need to get guys on the run, that's totally okay. That was never a problem. It's kind of the deeper ones that, you know, set. So, um, hopefully, just the main part is Shield House, as you mentioned, brings that creativity and just gives gives the offense a better chance to succeed um, by putting more routes to the sticks. We're not
1: asking for a 2018 throw-it-up-to-Hakeem offense yeah, because the defense is significantly better than that, so you're really just leaning on that. I go to these shallow crossers because I don't want to throw an interception. Yeah it's it's frustrating to watch at times because we're not going to score with the offense as much as you'd like. It's going to be a lot of these 17 to 14 games, but there is a reason behind that. Unfortunately, it's not going to be the most exciting team to watch. I don't think, but at the end of the day, if you're winning, it's going to be more fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, so to quickly uh, give you the complete um, list of new um, offensive staff, um, obviously, as we mentioned, Nate Shielhouse promoted to offensive coordinator. Was the receivers and running backs coach? Uh, so as we mentioned, now the offensive coordinator, also the quarterbacks coach as well, still makes sense. As I think that's actually, I think that's really cool that you have your offensive coordinator specifically being a position group catered towards the quarterback. Sheehouse, a former college quarterback at uh, Illinois, and when you talk about if there's ever a guy that needs to be on the same page with the offense coordinator, it's the quarterback. And what better than a guy who also played that quarterback spot in college football. So I think that's really big for Iowa state. Um, the safeties coach Dion Broomfield is also the passing game coordinator. Um, also we talked about Ryan Klan being the offensive line coach. I think that's the second most important ad outside of shield House. Uh, I John- would
1: argue the most important.
0: What? I would argue the most important. You might not be wrong. (laughs) Uh, Jordan Langs comes in as the running backs backs coach, also the first official special teams coordinator. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Taylor Mauser, one of the few offensive guys that stayed put, kind of makes sense, granted his success here at Iowa State. um, He's still the tight ends coach. And then your final one, Noah Pauly, comes in as the wide receivers coach. So, again, it was a complete offensive overhaul. And I think you know we going back to last year, we gave Matt a lot of credit. Um, we were really glad he made those tough moves. You know he was close with a lot of those guys, but considering the season that you had, you had to make those changes. So hopefully, this new regime can kind of ignite a new life at Iowa State offensively.
1: For sure, and they got a complete clean slate to do it. They even got a new strength coach, which
0: is going to drive a lot. That's where I mean,
1: and need to work together a lot.
0: Yeah, and I think from you know. Again, I don't think we got to mention this because it was after we recorded when those first things come out came out, but the press conferences. But you know, a guy like Jared Hufford, he's gained almost thirty pounds, and it's all like good, good weight and like muscle. And um, I think like on average across the entire team since uh, Coach Kagi has taken over, who as Brandon noted is the new um, strength and conditioning coach, um, the team as a whole on average has added eight pounds. I mean, for young guys, that's it's probably not very hard for young guys to put on weight, but when you're talking about Jared Hufford, a senior putting on thirty pounds, that's very impressive to do just in the off season. So I'm very excited to see um how that all turns out.
1: That's just the key in the trenches and bigger isn't always better in every position, but up front on the offensive line, it honestly can't hurt considering we're usually undersized.
0: yeah, for sure. Um, but we only have about 20 minutes left. we still a small amount of time, um, but don't want to keep you guys on here for almost an hour again. And if it is, whatever, we've been having a good conversation. Hopefully you guys have been enjoying as well. But um, the last two segments we got here are Rising Stars and the Captains. Um, so I believe we both have around three for each spot in our uh, Rising Stars and the Captains spot. Rising Stars is freshman only, with the Captains just being the guys that, Are going to be important if I. So, starting off with Rising Stars, a guy that um, Brandon has talked about more than me, uh, but Abu Sama, he is my number one. Um, You talk about, as you noted, he had five touchdowns in the state championship game. And I know it's crazy, but if you go look, if you look back and you just watch Abu Sama just, you know, get through a hole and burst downfield. I'm not saying he's going to be Brees Hall. That's not what I'm trying to say, but he runs like Brees Hall. And you talk about a guy who's got pure speed. You can't teach that. If he can just get a little bit bigger. I mean, I remember that first time we saw Brees in the summer of 2020, we were like, whoa, how did you get this big? So if Abu Sama, by the time by next year, can get that, that weight on it, that he can get people, he's got the speed, he's got the vision. And I think when you talk about a running back room, if you have – if Davis Norton is the guy, cool, awesome. He's your physical guy. Abu Sama is your change of pace, and he's your guy out of the backfield. Um, I think he's a guy that can certainly rise to that running back two spot by the end of the year.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think we're going to match up a lot here with the rising stars because I do have him on my list as well. And as you said, he's just that key. He's the number one guy that you look at to be that breakthrough guy at the running back spot. And that's going to be through the passing game more than the running game, just because as a true freshman in the Big 12 conference, you're not going to get a lot of these run up the middles. Yeah. So his key is really on these screen type passes or even on the checkdowns, just make something happen for five yards when you should get nothing.
0: Yep. Totally agree. And I, at least my hope is week one, I hope he's in the fight for that kick returner spot. Because as we said, you can't teach speed, and he's got it.
1: Yeah, him and Noel, that's actually a pretty dynamic kick return yeah. spot and punt return spot. The only problem is in the past, we haven't really returned anything.
0: Yeah, um, but I think like the one thing I will say, I think Noel does give you that great spot at that punt return spot. I think he's more of a pure punt returner, and Abu would be more of your kick returner guy. The that's one fair. that we've seen... You know in the Campbell era where he has not been afraid to give him the green light is Kane Wangu, and I'm telling you, you can't teach speed, and Sama's got it, so he might be the second guy we see who gets that green light on special teams. I don't know.
1: That's that's the goal. I mean, Kane is still on the Vikings. If I,
0: yeah, and he was. Yeah. I think he made second team All Pro last year as a kicker turner. So, yeah,
1: that's crazy as a running back too. Yeah, You don't typically put a running back that gets hit a lot on special teams, but if you have speed, it's going to work.
0: Yeah. um, Hitting on the second spot of the Rising Stars list is going to be receiver Ben Nagoyi. Um, again, that true freshman out of Nebraska. The kid has hops, and he's got speed as well. I mean, speed's going to be a pretty common thing in all three of my Rising Stars, but I think regardless, you know, I think Jaden Higgins is the one through all year long. But if there's another guy on the outside, if I was taking – do some three receiver sets. I don't know how often that will be, but even on rotations, right? Higgins can't play every snap. You need another guy at the X. Ben Nagoy is your guy. I think he is – I'm not going to call him Butler by any means, but when you talk about, hey, we're going to chuck it down there because Hakeem's down there, Nagoy is the guy who has that option. I think he is your guy in terms of contested catches. I think he's the guy for sure.
1: Yeah, that receiver room has some space in that number two line to really excel and make your own way onto the team, especially with injuries that kind of just happen on that wide receiver spot. So you always can use depth of that position. Um, For my second rising star, I'm going to go to Ben Brommer. Mm-hmm just because I think the tight end spot is something that can really improve. And if you have a guy there that can either block or make plays out of the receiving game, it just elevates that offense to a completely different level. You think of the 2020 offense when most of the receiving threat was a tight end. Yeah. And that's just something that you can be a little more dynamic with on offense. And that's something you can sneak into the receiving game and kind of catch defenses off guard more than just playing three or four wide receivers out there.
0: Yeah, and I, and I do have Brommer at my three spot. And I think, again, you talked about that 2020 where, it, you know, it was really Xavier Hutchinson and nowhere else at the receiver spot. But you had Charlie Kohler, Chase Allen, Dylan Sainter, three dominant tight ends. I think the big thing about Brommer is I kind of look at 2021, honestly. You look at Texas Tech on the road and you look at Oklahoma on the road where Charlie Kohler just hit a different gear in the fourth quarter, that's what Iowa State was missing last year. It was, it was that target. And, you know, you had Hutch. That that was awesome. But you're talking about tight are going to get better mismatches than you're going to get as a receiver. You know, receiver, you can get doubled by corners. You can get doubled as a tight end. But most times it's got to be guys on the inside. Maybe you can shift a safety down to Kohler to help or a linebacker. But at the end of the day, when you're a size of a tight end, you're going to win that battle a lot if you're as talented like a guy like Kohler. And I'm not, you know, asking him to be Charlie Kohler. I'm just saying, like, Iowa State has been successful when they have been dynamic at tight end. So I can really finally bring that upside to the tight end spot that Iowa State's been missing since Charlie graduated.
1: Yeah, for sure. And just one more just to throw out there because he's a wide
0: receiver from Dale. Oh.
1: <laughs> Let's go, Kai Black. Oh, okay. I mean, if you're going to be thrown in every conversation with Alan Lazard, you got some expectations. But if you invite him and use it for motivation, I don't see why he can't be somebody that can win some jump balls and get his way onto the first team.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I didn't really think about it. And when you were bringing up receiver, I thought you were going to say Corn Adams, not going to lie.
1: You, okay. Uh, see, the <laughs> thing about him is I already own – president of the corn adams fan club <laughs> and we're not accepting new new members right now because i would consider that a little premature and i don't want any bandwagons on my team
0: yeah so when corn adams break out breaks out it's 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 been branded all along i will say though listening to campbell's press conference he didn't bring him up because he did mention i think he was hurt like last year is like what he said i don't want to be 100 i'm not 100 percent on that but He's, I mean, Corn Adams is a guy who's got that pure speed. If you want a gadget guy, it's probably your guy.
1: I, I mean, all I'm expecting is Trevor Ryan. <laughs>
0: that's true. Um, but anybody else you got there for their Rising Stars list before we go move on to the captains? No, I think that's it for my list. All right, so captains, and then we'll close it down. Um, at my number one, and maybe it actually should probably be shifted. All right, I'll change it captains i think the most important thing it's not a player but it's a group it's the offensive line um you know when we look we talked about this last uh, like you know at the end of last year you know you look back at the offensive lines throughout campbell's regime um you know they were still good offensive lines you know nothing great and maybe sometimes we thought they were potentially better than they were because of who they had in the backfield i mean you look from 2017 through 2021, you have two NFL tailbacks in Dave Montgomery and Brees Hall. And so last year when, you know, you had your injuries at that running back spot, um, I think it kind of took a toll on the offensive line. And not, not, it wasn't always their fault. You know, I think at times Decker's, you know, walked himself into sacks or running backs missed holes. But at the end of the day, you know, Iowa State is going to need to have a successful offensive line to have a chance this year.
1: Yeah, I'll go but, uh, pretty. This first spot, okay. If you have tight end that can block really well, just everything you can do as a has the body, body to do it. Where a lot of these tight ends are really aren't developed completely yet. He's the guy that needs to step up that position and really take control of that offensive line in a different way, where he can be a little bit more shifty in that tight end spot.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, for my two and three spot, I want to combine these. So it's, I guess it's three guys. So I'm really cheating this captain spot. But regardless, um, I have, Cartavious we have like 25 Norton. captains here. Yeah, no kidding. I have what, eight? Yeah, that's pretty solid <laughs> for a group of 11 at the same time. Um, anyway, um, I have Cartavius Norton, Jane Higgins, and Jalen. So I talked about this a little bit earlier, but I want to wrap it up. 2019 team, that's what I want to get to a lot about this year. You look at 2019, it was running back by committee to start. Now, to start the year, it was, like I said, running back by committee. You have Brock Purdy, so at least you had that experience there. And you had Charlie Kohler, and it was probably Kohler's best year, honestly. Um, But regardless, you didn't have any studs on the outside, uh, like any big names at receiver. It was Michael Pettway and Neshante Jones. What does that remind me a lot of? Honestly, Jane Higgins and and Jalen Knoll. Jaden Higgins is your Lamichael Petway. That's that ex-receiver. You gotta win jump balls, win stuff over the middle. That's Jane Higgins. Who what is DesHountae Jones? That's Jalen Knoll. It's your slot guy. It's your speed guy. He's gonna catch some screens and take them. He's gonna give you that yak capability. So I think when you look at that receiver spot, if Iowa State can just get two guys who are decent, they get the job done, they can work together well, and they can they can kind of make that that spot where you can't focus on one guy, but they're both going to do a decent job. I think that's big. And then shifting back to that running back spot, I have Cartavius Norton or like the running back room. And cause it's going to be by committee to start, but then eventually Brees broke out. And when he broke out that opened it up because you have that running game. And then on top of just kind of, you know, you know, solid guys on the outside and Jaden Higgins or what would be Jaden Higgins and Jalen mm-hmm. or at the time, Deshante Jones and Michael Petway. Whoever the running back may be, if Iowa State can run the ball and just have some decent guys on the outside that can do a good job, maybe, you know, a couple guys that can hit 700, 800-yard seasons in Jane Higgins and Jalen Noll. That's all Iowa State needs. And obviously, most importantly, a quarterback who's not going to put the teams in harm's way, not turn the ball over. And whoever that is, I again I don't care who it is. I just want to see the Cyclones win, man. Yeah,
1: you took my last two here with Nolan uh, Cartavius Norton. So – with Noel, first of all, the biggest thing that played Iowa State last year late in games was drops. Yeah, and Noel, I don't remember him having any really crucial ones like X did. But... His only bad one was the Oklahoma State
0: one. I think okay. it was. Yeah, it was like the post. But regardless, it wasn't anything bad.
1: I mean, if you catch even just two of those in key spots and key games last year, you're looking at six wins. And when you're an Iowa State team that prides itself on winning in the margins, you have to make these plays. And yeah. you look at a guy like Noel, he needs to be a studying force in the wide receiver room and somebody that you can go to. It's not going to be anything crazy. It's not going to be jump ball. You just need somebody that can get you eight, nine yards when you need it. Mm. And then going to Cartavius, it's as simple as this. You're going to be the three down back. Yeah, You're going to need something from him blocking wise, most likely, unless Clanton has really the offensive line to a completely other level. And then you're going to need something out of him on first and second down. You're going to need more than two yards and you can't run into a Texas tech situation where you can't get one yard over four attempts. Yeah. So those are my captains. I don't have 27 like you.
0: <laughs> yeah. My bad guys. They really stretched that, but it, it's our rule. So whatever. Um, but yeah, that's kind of everything we got uh, for the offensive preview. Another pretty long episode, but obviously it's, it's a unit that all the eyes are going to be focused on, um, especially with, you know, four of the major fives, um, at least that we know of wrapped up in the gambling situation. It's it's the big spot, and you had kind of the lack of success last year and then losing four starters offensively in big spots. It'll be interesting. I mean, again, kind of looking at, you know, last year's offense to this, you're not going to have the number – the QB1, RB1, wide receiver one. Um I I think Hanukkah and Dean last year were very tight in 1A and B, and then Remsburg, your right tackle. So that's a lot of big names you're going to lose offensively. Um, And so I think it'll be interesting to see how everything turns out. Um, But obviously a quick sneak peek at next week's episode to remind you guys again, it'll be again a week from today, Monday night, or Monday morning, I should say. I apologize. Um, But – It is the Big 12 preview and and realignment talk. So we'll go over a complete Big 12 preview, not like super in depth, but predicting 1 to 14. Um, Just who's going to finish on top? Is Texas finally going to do it? I guess you'll have to wait and see. And then obviously talk about realignment um, as we have the time real quick. Um, Obviously, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, all four will be joining the Big 12 in 2024. So you know, for a while we thought we were going to have one season of 14 teams and then, you know, go down to 12, which I thought was going to be really nice. But, nope, going to instantly go to four, uh, 16. And I certainly have a lot to talk about um, for realignment. So, I'm very excited for next week's episode. I think you're probably a little bit more excited, though.
1: I love realignment. I know it's not good for the sport, but it's so much fun to see different matchups.
0: Yeah. My my big part of it is the not good for the sport part. You've the more of the fun part. So we'll have a, a nice balanced attack next week. Yeah, for sure. Um, but with that, anything you got before we go ahead and close it down here, Brandon?
1: You know, I'm really disappointed in myself. I didn't get the countdown today.
0: <laughs> hey, that that's a good thing. We got to keep that off until November or at least the bye.
1: You're going to have a challenge there with all of these uh, foreign games that they've been playing this week i know oh man i love this right now It got basketball in august
0: it's phenomenal i'm doing my best to keep brandon on a leash guys i'm trying to keep him football only but it's gonna be very hard before he uh the basketball wheels just just go too fast and i can't contain them
1: you better hope we don't start 0-3 or it's gonna be a rough time for you
0: <laughs> yeah I'm uh, let's just let's just hope that doesn't happen for many reasons yeah uh, but obviously, you guys uh, noted this last week. Uh, the last phone interview um, for a while will be moved in. Our first classes are when the next episode comes out, actually, on the 21st. But we'll probably record that um, Big 12 preview and realignment in person um, on that weekend. So hopefully the quality is a little bit better for you guys. Uh, can't wait to see you next week. Hope you're back. And hope you. hopefully you enjoyed this episode. But with that, it's going to close everything down. As always, be sure to check us out on Twitter at Simon Storm. Um, You can also look in the description down below for that as well, along with me and Brandon's personal Twitters on top of that. Um, But yeah, you guys, like we said, back next week for the big 12 preview and realignment talk the following Monday, the 28th will be our defensive preview. And then that Wednesday um, game week will be our you and I preview on August 30th. So check us out on Twitter. So you guys can be sure to stay up to date with all these podcasts leading up to the, 2023 football season, Iowa State, once again, as we noted, going to have a chance to really turn some heads. So hopefully they can do it, and we'll be sure to continue to cover this unit throughout the entirety of the season. Um, thanks again to Brandon for stopping on in with us tonight, as my name is Evan Wesling and Roll Clones, baby.